Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast with Steve Allen and Michael Butner on yeah. SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. We're live from the home of the Mighty Tigers, the Entrance Tigers. We're watching some league tag in front of us, the Tigers in their famous orange colours. King Cumber Colts also involved in this game and... Girls Rugby League and Women's Rugby League on the Central Coast has just exploded. What a week for the Central Coast. We've had a couple of boys play in Origin 3 at a core stadium in Sydney. Gary Birkinshaw, you were there. I'll, I'll ask you for your thoughts in a moment, but what an Origin debut for Bradman Best. Absolutely sensational on that left edge alongside Cody Walker, man of the match in Origin 3. Jacob Saifidi comes off the bench for the New South Wales team. Scotty Drinkwater from Terrigal is the 18th man for New South Wales on Wednesday night. And then Thursday night at Redcliffe, Ethan Strange, an entrance Tigers boy, absolutely smashes it. Three tries, try assist as well. Lionel Messi would have been proud of one of his efforts and he gets man of the match in the under-19 game for New South Wales. Uh, no Michael Butner this morning, Gary Birkinshaw, a.k.a. The Guru. Good morning, mate. Good morning, Steve. What a great morning it is back at grassroots football. It doesn't get any better than this year. You talk about state of origin football and how good that was the other night, but we look out here. This is where it all starts, where we are now. We've got some young ladies out here playing in league tag, and, and this has been going on. I, I turned up here about half past eight, and you couldn't get a car park. That, yeah. uh, th these, these gentlemen we've got here with us, they've been here, I reckon, since since sun up and we've got the canteen workers behind us fantastic atmosphere yeah we'll talk more about origin in a moment but let's talk some grassroots footy so kyle whiteford is here he's head coach with the entrance tigers in the local competition and of course jamie forbes the coach of the denton cup team and alongside me dan McHugh, who's the uh, el presidente of the juniors dan come on in i know you're a little bit nervous mate but great to see you and just give us an overview of how the club's traveling in 2023 yeah, thanks, mate. It's great to have uh, you guys here as well. Um, so the entrance uh, juniors, we're, we're going very strong at the moment. We've got 540 uh, players, uh, participants at, at the club. So, you know, not, not a small club by any means. Um, now, out of that, we've also uh, promoted and, and really been successful with, with the girls' uh, tackle uh, this year. Um, so we've got almost i think it's almost bang on 100 uh, female uh, players participants here at the club uh, this year so uh, that growth the growth is you know we had a handful uh, in the last couple of years but to get it to right on a, almost right on 100 is, is just fantastic and uh, so yeah girls uh, tackle up here on the coast as he said is has is, is exploded yeah. Hey, Dan, uh, who deserves credit? Could you name some names, some of the people that are instrumental in building the girls' game? Um, well, look, I, I think it's come from uh, seeing the NRLW on, on the TV and, and obviously it's been promoted uh, uh, quite well. Um, and there's just a real buzz and, and enthusiasm for the girls to get involved with it now. You know, we're, as a club, we actually reduce the costs of, of the registration to, uh, for the girls to, to uh, draw them in. Um, and that was through one of our sponsors, uh, subsidised and paid uh, $60 out, out of the registration fees to get the girls here. So, you know, and look, as a club, we've got sponsors like that here. We're very fortunate. Um, but uh, and also the coaches are enthusiastic. We've got 
uh, very good coaches with the girls tackle, Billy Milos, Shane Wooden and James Lane. Uh, that's the 13s, 15s and 17s. Um, so we selected our coaches for, for the girls and they're doing an extremely good job. So. Yeah. And uh, when you say Shane Wooden, I mean, that's a former first grade coach in this competition and first grade premiership winner. Hey, um, mate, you've been president for a couple of years, but you've had nearly every role that's available on the board. What does the Entrance Tigers mean to you? Um, it's the community. Um, so my boys play here. Uh, we've been here for uh, my eldest son, Jack. He's in the 17s now, and he's been here since under sixes. And, um, yeah, it means a lot. It's great to see him uh, come through the juniors and looking forward to him going into the seniors next year. Um, but it's just a great community club. We're, we're backed by the Leagues Club. Um, very supportive of, of the juniors and, uh, you know, at any time you can go over the Leagues Club and just bump into someone, have a beer, sit down. It's, it's just a great community uh, that we're in here. So. You mentioned about a, a sponsor. That wouldn't be Mark Whitehead from Whitey's Right Price Tyres. And I believe, I think he might be celebrating a milestone birthday this weekend. Right, yeah, Whitey has uh, been a major sponsor here. Uh, the Tigers for some time and you know we really appreciate his support um, I'm not sure what he's uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got some intel I, I think I might have heard via Facebook and uh, what a great man he got the biggest cheer at last year's presentation night hey uh, you mentioned about the girls too let's not forget that just a few minutes from here is where the great Isabel Kelly played so with the Berkeley Vale Panthers, went to the entrance high school and a golden boot winner, an absolute superstar. So there's so many role models here locally. Kira Dibb, of course, played for the Gillaroos. Hey, Kyle, uh, great to see you, mate. What a week for the Tigers. You're at Origin and Steve Allen gave a sneaky shout-out to the entrance. Yeah, it was great to hear um, when Jacob Saifidi entered the field that he was representing New South Wales and the entrance Tigers. Um, yeah, it had a little bit to do with Jacob when he was playing here in the under... 15s and at a representative level so yeah it's great to see him him there and his brother Daniel was there supporting him as well. What do you think it means for the coast having three players at that level on Wednesday night and people might say it's a dead rubber but 75,000 fans are there and the state is really trying to salvage some pride and build for the future. I think it just shows kids in general that you know they, they can make it like someone from the entrance Tigers or your minor bunnies like Nico in game one. Um, it just shows them that there is a pathway if they're willing to put in the hard work and it's and they can dream big and it, it could happen to them. Did you expect a debut like that from Bradman Best? No, probably not, but he, he was outstanding. He was, um, yeah, just... he. He looked like a man amongst boys, and he was that, he was the actual boy out there. But, yeah, he looked – he was amazing. Yeah, and such a great narrative. So Cody Walker comes back and ends up getting man of the match, and that left side was sensational. Yeah, they certainly were, Steve. And I suppose you go back to Bradman Best. I suppose he's been anointed as being a state-of-origin player from when he was so much younger. Cole, you obviously saw him come through, and he was in representative teams, state teams from, from a young age. So I suppose it was a punt to act by Brad Fittler to put him in. And yeah. it certainly rewarded that, but it, it just shows that pathway that you can actually progress, progress through. Would that be fair? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, he was a schoolboy star at St. Eddie's, and I think I heard on the coverage last night or the night before about uh, Bradman that in the junior pathways with the Blues, he played 
16s twice, so when he was 15 and 16, he played 18s twice, 17 and 18, and I'm sure he'll get more than two games in the um, in the men's origin side moving forward too. Yeah, and you hope now they do pick him because New South Wales has got a history of one-hit wonders, including yeah. Michael Butner, who played one game for New South Wales. Hey, I see you're rocking the 16-1 Premiers in 2006. Is that a team you played in? Oh, I wish I was that young. No, uh, that's, that's, a team, that's a team I coached uh, many years ago. I've been involved coaching here at the junior, in the juniors and the seniors since 2002. So, um, yeah, glutton for punishment. How's the local first grade team going and how's the competition in general in 2023? Uh, the local first grade team, which I coach, is, is we're probably a little bit below where we, we'd like to be. We've... I'm glad you said it like that, diplomatically, yeah. unlike what you said off the air. Yeah, no, we're, we're sitting in fifth position with two rounds to go, and I think there's a mathematical chance, but it's probably unlikely we'll make the four. Um, we've really battled, once again, having the side above us in the Denton Cup. Um, 12 rounds in, in the local footy, and I've used 38, 38 players. Um, six of those are debutants, all six Entrance Tigers juniors, which is, was, was really nice. I just we've we've got a really strong and hard-working side. We just lack that little bit of little bit of flair, little bit of polish to sort of put on some good points against those stronger sides that aren't. You know, there's some really good halves combinations going around the comp. Like in Wyong, you've got Toddy Lewis and Terence Cusiu. Um, you know, they're not getting called upon to go up to Denton Cup with um, Jake Fitzpatrick and the, and the like at Tukles and Erin have got some great halves in Nick and Cameron as well. Yeah, I'm loving the Denton Cup this year. The fact that I think Wyong might be equal second at the moment and yeah. the Tigers look like they'll play finals footy and what a win away from home last week against Cessnock. Yeah, well Jamie, the Cessnock boy, usually saves his best for, <laughs> for travelling up to Cessnock and not just for the night time after the game but um, yeah, they travelled up there and you know, obviously because We've used a lot of players through the club. They've gone through a, a few as well, and there's lots of guys that have gone up from my side and taken that opportunity and and and, and haven't come back. Like they've gone through four or five halves pairings. They've got some really young halves in there. Hayden Ritchie, um, yeah. So another a local junior who was involved with the Roosters. So yeah, they're going really well. Yeah, Gary, yeah. you got the next question, but yeah. they did lose both their halves uh, for the whole season, and one yeah. of those is a superstar of the comp, Will Pearsall. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. yeah, so, I and I suppose that Gary's probably your second grade title through the first grade in the local comp, but probably not going to make finals. But it takes a whole club to be successful in, in, in the Denton Cup and obviously a competition that, with the reputation that it's actually got. So if you're not doing your work as developing players, they don't have the success, especially the amount of number of players that you've actually used. So while people might look at the entrance and say, oh, they haven't made the first grade competition, so they haven't had a successful season. But when you look at, look at a bit further and say, well, hang on, they're going to make the finals of the Denton Cup, which means that, yes, we have had a very successful season. I think you can take a lot of credit from that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I am proud of that fact. And, and part, of the, part of the role in that first grade position on the coast and the second, second team in our club is having players ready to go and develop and being ready to, to lose them week in, week out. <laughs> so that, that's all, it's all part of it. If I let that stress me out too much, I certainly, certainly wouldn't be in the job for too long. Yeah, that would be a record amount of players to, oh. to roll through your team. Yes. Did, did you say 36? 38 we've used. Six, six debutants, 38 players in 12 games. Uh, yeah. And you said to me off the air, you absolutely loved Ethan Strange. Tell oh. us more. Right, well, I've 
I've seen him here for a number of years, training him, and his dad used to coach him, and um, the great John Strange, NRLW Coach of the Year. Reigning, is he? Still? Anyway, but, yeah, he played fantastic the other night. He's um, He came back from the Roosters last year and played a couple of games in grade here. He played second grade for one game, skipped my side and went straight into, <laughs> into the Denton Cup, put on a match-winning performance here against Maitland one day. And, um, yeah, then he was picked up by the Raiders, which I'm pretty happy about being a Raiders fan, and, it, and he's just gone from strength to strength. He played out of position the other night. He's usually in the halves. We played in the centres and certainly didn't look out of place there. It was really, really great to see. And another great example for the young boys and girls watching that you don't have to... You know, you can, you can come from a local club on the coast or wherever it might be and, ma- and make it in the big time. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dan, I've got a question for you, mate. Now, uh, are you nervous about this afternoon? Massive game. Like, when we were kids, we all lived for Saturday afternoon and our field of dreams. And today it's the reigning premiers, the entrance Tigers, in the 17s up against Wyong, who are top of the table. Yeah, oh, mate, it, it's going to be a great game. So, as you just said, our... Uh, which was last year, they, they won the 16 ones uh, comp and um, we've come out this year, we lost our first two games. Uh, one was against Wyong and the other was against Terrigal and, uh, but we had quite a few players out. Um, they were still at the reps uh, up in Newcastle and, um, and then since then we haven't lost a game. Um, Wyong are sitting on top at the moment um, so it's going to be a real grudge match this afternoon but uh, yeah, anyone that can get down here, this 17th game this afternoon is going to be fantastic. It'll be great footy to, to watch. Yeah, I love watching footy at that level. Uh, I won't ask you, Dan, because you're a proud dad, but uh, Kyle, who are some of the players from that 17s team that we should keep an eye on that maybe they've already got a sniff of first grade? Yeah, there are there are a couple of good young players there that have come come through the juniors and, um, yeah, representing um, at local... Oh, sorry, at the local New South Wales Rugby League level. So we've got guys... The great Nathan Ward. We've got guys like um, Connor Vitano, um, Taj Moore. Um, yeah, great young players that have also played a little bit in the under-19s this year as well. So, yeah, there's lo- lots of good players in that side. Um, yeah, it'd be hard to... You could go through them all. But, yeah, those two in particular are real standouts. Hey, uh, you guys have got the show off to a cracking start. Thanks so much, Dan. No, thanks a lot. Great to have you guys here. Yeah, and later on today, we'll have a catch-up podcast where you can share it with everyone at the Entrance Tigers. Great to have you, boys. We'll probably catch you before the end of the show at 11. But next, we're going to talk to uh, the great Tony Clark, our good friend, uh, multiple premiership winner with numerous clubs, and now he's at the North Sydney Bears. A little later in the show, football royalty, Julie Dolan will join us. And, of course, the Matildas winners last night against France 1-0. Mary Fowler scoring the winner. We'll roll in that audio a little later in the show. Thanks to Paramount Plus. Good warm-up game. And I heard there was a, a fiery warm-up game between, was it Ireland and Colombia that was called off? Yeah, it certainly was. 20 minutes that game only went for. Uh, a pretty bad tackle um, from a Colombian player on one of the Ireland girls who got stretched off. And the Ireland girls just decided that um, this close to the World Cup is probably not a game we really need. Yeah, this is Saturdays on the Coast. All thanks to Robson Civil Projects. Also, Whitey's Right Price Tyres and Slime's Board Store, who sponsors Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week. 19 past nine, back in just a moment. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. 
Yeah, good morning. Welcome back to EdSAC. Uh, Saturday's on the coast. Another fantastic day. We're watching the girls' league tag at the moment. Kingcumber in possession, heading toward the northern end of the stadium. But Gary Birkinshaw, there's like about 10 games happening here as we speak. Oh, it's amazing. You're looking around of uh, boys, girls, you know, older, younger. It is, it is brilliant. And Dan was saying, he reckons there's probably going to be about 27 games of football of here from all ages, from under six or seven or the mini leagues right up to under 17. What a great day. Yeah, and uh, people have been here since 6.30 a.m. Last night, Friday night footy, uh, the Knights winners against the West Tigers, 34 points to 18. Bulldogs against the Broncos later on this afternoon. And Josh Reynolds will play his final game for Canterbury-Bankstown and there's a lap of honour afterwards and it's a sellout at Belmore. How would you describe Josh Reynolds' influence on, on in, during his NRL career and also on the Bulldogs? Oh, yeah, he will go down as one of the all-time greats in terms of a guy who the minute he pulls the jumper on, like, um, like the old Queenslanders or the Kiwis, like Olsen Filipina, someone who just will do anything to get his team across the line and... Great to see him come back, but what a selfless act. And I'm sure I'd like to get Tony Clark's opinion in a moment. What a selfless act to step outside the top 30 yep. to give someone else an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. look, I, I agree with you. I reckon he's been... But, you know, he, he epitomises what, what, club, what club people are. You know, and he, he always wanted... He left, uh, you know, people leave their clubs, but they always wanted to come back and finish, and he's done that. And as you said, the selfless act to, to step outside the top 30 to enable, I think it was Toby Sexton they signed. I, I was actually surprised how much he's adored by the fans. Yep. They just absolutely love him. And maybe in this day and age where maybe a contract's not worth what it used to be and there can be a lot of player movement to have a genuine guy. And I know he went across to the West Tigers, but yeah, they're trying to free up space in the salary cap. It's, yep. it's a lengthy story, but yep. he came back home. Yeah, exactly. And so it'd be interesting to see New South Wales Cup game he's playing today, his last game. It'd be interesting to see the crowd numbers that they're normally for the New South Wales Cup. There's not, not a lot of people there, but I reckon you'll find t- this afternoon that there'll be a lot of people. And it's great that there's a Belmore. Yeah, well, I've got to leave here and head straight down there, and it could uh, take some time to actually get to the stadium. But we'll be marching as one for a fantastic afternoon. Let's go to Tony Clark. We've kept him waiting way too long. Multiple Premiership winning coach and player on the Central Coast. TC, good morning. Good morning, boys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you back on. Can you just share your thoughts from Wednesday night's State of Origin? Yesterday, in a couple of minutes, you really summed up what Cody Walker brought to the New South Wales team. Yeah, it was just such an enjoyable game, Steve, wasn't it? To see us, um, you know, we were dominant, I think. You know, it goes without saying the Queensland were probably down a little bit on uh, on where they'd been the two previous games, but... Uh, yeah, just great to see Katie. I, I, I believe there was just a masterclass on, uh, on, 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 you know, like half play. At, uh, our, our left-hand side was, was, was just so dominant. And I mean, he, he, what he did to, to Ches and, uh, and, and Valentine Holmes in, in just throwing the bait out, throwing the bait out, you know, come to me, come to me. And like, I mean, Valentine Holmes, you know, like a, a, a wonderful player, but, you know, turned out twice and then he stayed. Yeah, you know, I believe if, if uh, Cody plays short, um, you know, in that in that first set of six or second set of six, you know, in good ball, he, uh, Liam Martin goes over untouched. But, yeah, just a masterclass and a pleasure to watch. But, again, I think because we dominated in the middle, they'd give our halves that little bit more time. Yeah, and, you know, I said last week on the show about Jerome Luai, great player, multiple premiership winner, but who scares Queensland more? Someone who occasionally runs but drifts across field looking to pick up a runner 
Well, someone like Cody, who, gee, is a special talent, isn't he? Oh, 100%, Steve. Just, yeah, and, and, and the good thing is, and it's, it's no criticism of him, but, he, but his, emo- his emotions are in check at the moment too, you know, and, he, and, he, and he's just fully focused on, on, on playing some, you know, some really good footy. And, uh, yeah, as you said, with Leroy, he, uh, you know, he's a great player in his own right, but we needed someone with that, you know, and I think there was a comparison, you know, on, on that performance of a great cliffy lines, you know, where, where you're, just, you're guessing all the time and, and, and what they're going to come up with. Okay, Clarky, Gary Birkinshaw here, mate. How are you? Just um, Good, yes. How are you? Good, mate, mate. Just, just going on to the Cody Walker and, and the influence that he had. So just in, just in that first half alone, I reckon Josh Adokar touched the ball more in attacking positions in that half than he did in the previous two Origin games. And he just how dangerous they looked. And you now we just played too narrow, I reckon, the first two games. And, you know, and to see what the, the flair that we had out wide, I think we just so much underutilised that in the first two games. Ah, oh, yeah, you're spot on, mate. Spot on, because we, yeah, we, we, we're an expansive team, and 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 to see that play and to see, like at a at a cards, that's that's one for the history books, isn't it? I mean, you'll just watch the replay of that all the time. But they were giving him some space, and of course, young Bradman, who uh, you know was, was was just running the correct lines, and, and, and uh, you know just just holding. But again, again, guys, that comes back from your middle third, holding their ground, winning their right. ground. You know, like Jake Stravojevich made a huge oh. difference. To that, you know, and uh, and and it gives the, your edges the, the time to uh, to play some footy. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned about Roy, but also uh, Regan Campbell Gillard as well. When he was bringing that ball back from the kickoff, it was just we were hoping that we kept trials there with my son and daughter that we'd, we'd score so that Campbell Gillard would they kick at that side so he'd just run it straight back, ran it a big Tino every time, and he just got him on the front foot. It was they just looked so much more solid and and dominated that mid third. Yeah, tell us more, TC. You mentioned about Jake Trebojevic. So you've had a lot to do with him in your time when you're on the on the peninsula. Just give us your thoughts about what he brings to that group. Well, I think I, I think it's just his never say die attitude. I mean, from from the moment he's in camp, but it's the moment of training. I mean, I've never seen a kid work as hard on his game, you know. And, and, he, and he's he's at the the top of his game, but he just he, you know second best is not good enough. You know, it's always the next play. And, and as Gaz said then, like oh, big Reds, he was he was outstanding. Um, but Jakey just brings that. Uh, I, I, I believe he, he brings some confidence to uh, to the players around him because you know what what he what he what he brings to the game. You mentioned Liam Martin before. Now, bit of an unsung hero on Wednesday night. Some of the lines he was running on the left edge, and most of the time he was being used as a decoy by Cody Walker. But the other key factor for New South Wales is Cam Murray actually starts. Steve, again, a hundred percent correct. He. Uh, whatever Brad was thinking, you know, and don't get me wrong, he's, he's way above me, Brad Fittler, but the thing I'm thinking, what, you know, like arguably the best 13 in the game, you know, adjusting you. And I thought they complemented each other beautifully because Cam can do the hard stuff, do all that stuff, then you bring Yowan who's got some footy in, you know. It, 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 uh, however, Cameron Murray wasn't starting the three games, or the, the, the two previous games, I, I, it, it, it's got me beat. Yeah, agree with you there, Clarky. Probably the, no player went into the game under more pressure than James Tedesco. How did you actually read his game? Uh, he, he, he's OK. Teddy, like, he, he's had a tough season. I mean, the Roosters haven't been going great, guys, you know, and, 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 and yeah, he, he's still playing some good footy. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it hasn't been, and, he, and he's first to admit it, it, it hasn't been his, first, his, best, his best season, and I... I 
note uh, um, with interest today that he's having the night off uh, against the storm. So, you know, he's he's had a very hectic period, Teddy. And uh, and I, and I, as a as a footy fan, you know, I, I really hope that he's, I think what have we got eight games to go, nine games to go that you know we start to see the best. But yeah, no, it, it certainly wasn't his best series. And uh, um, you know, if you're picking a team, you know, he, he's certainly going to be under under some pressure to uh, to hold his you know position. Uh, going forward, in, in my because there's too many young, too many young good fullbacks. You know, like of yeah. course, one thing you know, an excitement machine, Scotty Drinkwater, the Terrigal Junior. You know, like just a, is just having a standout season. Dylan Edwards. You know, you, you could you could name uh, you know another three or four that, that that would do a job. But I mean, it's a long way. You know, we're 12 months away. But yeah, there there was uh, certainly some disappointment around um, around Tedesco's performance. Yeah, TC, I've got a couple of real quick ones for you. I was listening to Saturdays in the Gong when I was driving in, and they said that, I didn't realise, no coach for New South Wales has done six series or more. So, does Freddie come back next year? Tough one. I, I, I think if he's uh, if there's a, a better advice around him, um, I, I said, I think, you know, I, I agree, Steve-O, that um, he picked the first team on sentiment. He wanted to keep everyone happy. Second team, you know, was sort of, you know, this team that played the weekend, I played Wednesday night, should have been game two, you know. Um, yep. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's a tough I, I, I don't think he wants to do it, personally, the mail I've got. I, see, I think he'll drop out. And my, my choice would be Danny Badiris. Yeah, really interesting, too, what he said afterwards about how his family had to cope with some of the enormous criticism. I, I think that might be an insight as to what Brad Fittler might do. Uh, just another hypothetical... Who plays in the centres in 2024 if Latrell and Tommy Turbo are both fit? I mean, does Bradman best get another start? Do they move someone to fullback? No, Brad, I, I heard you in your first segment, Steve. You can't be a, a one-hit wonder with Bradman best. He has to stay there, and one of those two play fullback. So, it, it, to me, it's a simple equation. You know, it's, yeah. uh, Teddy's, Teddy's done his time. He's been wonderful. I think it's 23 in a row. Uh, you know, but with, with, with either Tommy or Latrell fit... You know, it's, it's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, you're spot on. He went past Danny Badiris, broke that record on Wednesday night. He also broke Petro Sivanasiva's record during this series for the most metres in State of Origin history, James Tedesco. So congratulations to him. Final hypothetical for you, mate. Who plays in the halves in 2024? Cody's got to stay, but, gee, Mitchell Moses. Uh, I mean, it's toss a coin. Uh, yeah, it the, is. The, he's done a great job. And, and oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, Nathan Cleary. How do you leave him yeah. out? But yeah, no, no, you can't. You can't. I, I, I believe you can't leave Nathan out, and uh, and he'd be my captain. Yeah, good call, TC. Hey, uh, I know you're pretty proud of this, but uh, one of the board members from Danica Clark Foundation, Rebecca Robwell, is going to join us for the first time. Oh, not the first time. She's actually been on the show before at Netball, but she's coming on to talk about the gala night, which is coming up for the Danica Clark Foundation next month. Yeah, it's great, Stovo, to, to have, you know, such a, a, a hard-working board members as we do, and you're one of them, of course. But, uh, yeah, Beck certainly stepped up to the plate, and I, I look forward to uh, to hearing her on uh, on your show. Yeah, awesome, mate. Uh, and just finally, any words about North Sydney? How are you travelling? Uh, OK, everything's a little bit quiet with the uh, Melbourne Partnership, so, uh, yeah, they'll probably be announcing in a couple of weeks, Steve, with um, where we're heading for 2024. Yeah, great to have you on the show, mate. Welcome back, buddy. Uh, your triumphant return after, I think last time you came on, there was some chaos with the granddaughter. 
Uh, but, uh, mate, you're in fine form this morning. <laughs> Thanks for giving me a second chance, Dave. <laughs> uh, the benchmark, Tony Clark joining us. Uh, Rebecca Rodwell is next. 10 o'clock this morning. One of our great mates, a good friend of the show, Lightning Luke King. You know he finished top 10 yep. in the Porsche Carrera Cup up in Townsville last week. In the three races, he was ju- the first two just outside the top 10, last race inside. So making great inroads. It doesn't matter what car he's in. He's so talented. You know the real struggle for him is financing the operation. And that is a lot to do with, with motor racing, isn't it? Like, it, you can be the best driver going around, but if you haven't got the, the financial clout behind you, you're probably not going to get the opportunities that, that your talent warrants. Yeah, and he'll tell us on the air that early in the weekend, he just feels like he hasn't got enough speed because he hasn't spent enough time behind the wheel. Yeah. Uh, that all comes from testing, and that's it's expensive. Yeah, yeah like, agree. It's... Like I said, it, it is a tough business. Hey, Gaz, we've got to talk AFL too because the first two games to start this round, my goodness, Swans get home by two. Last night, I reckon we've seen one of the games of the year. Looked like Brisbane had got the job done and then the Ds come storming home in the last quarter. Yeah, well, you even probably go back early. At the start of the game, it looked like the Ds were going right. They kicked the first four goals of the game and then all of a sudden, uh, Brisbane kicked the next six of the next seven and then they get out to almost a five-goal advantage and... 15 minutes to go, or less than that even, and the Ds just come flying home on the back of an inspirational performance from their skipper, Max Gorn, who was unbelievable. Did you see the goal? I know we'll talk about it later in the show, but what about the goalie kick where the, the saying rainmaker, I've never seen anything like it. He kicked it into the stratosphere. Matt Burton would be proud how high that went. And it just kept going and coming around and went through. But what a player. A few, few minutes later, I reckon he was about 60 out. And I thought, he's got to have another crack here. But he's dished it off. Yeah. This is Saturdays on the Coast. We're way behind schedule. Off to the news. Rebecca Rodwell is next. Robson Civil. 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. Welcome back live at Ed Sack. And we're seeing another try here to King Cumber at the southern end of the field. They've scored a couple of great tries, their winger. Yeah, they've looked very impressive, King Cumber there. They've scored a couple of long-distance tries as well, so very well drilled. Yeah, ladies' league tag we're watching directly in front of us. Thanks again to the head honchos here. So Dan McHugh joined us in our first break and also Kyle Whiteford, the coach of the local first-grade team. Text line 0477. 736736. Give us your thoughts on Origin on Wednesday night, particularly the Central Coast contingent. Who do you think should be in the halves in 2024? That'd be a good one. Uh, And anything else that you want to talk about on this Saturday morning? Uh, Let me just throw back to the studio quickly. Adam Staples steering the ship. You would love Cody on Wednesday night and that South Sydney connection with uh, Cam Murray starting at lock forward. Oh, definitely, um, Steve and guys. Uh, good, good morning to you both. Um, yeah, that that was positive signs for South. I think going into uh, the rest of this season, uh, it's nice to see Walker enjoying his footy, and then just when Latrell returns as well, it's going to be uh, those five guys are key. You know, uh, Mitchell, Walker, Cook, Murray, and of course Colin Matungi there as well. So if, if those guys stay fit, I think South will be red hot heading into finals time. So can't yep. wait for it. Yeah, good observation. I think they can have a massive crack with all of those guys fit and healthy. And uh, can you believe, I didn't think the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs would win again in 2023, but we got the job done against South, led by 14 with four minutes to play. And really, Adam, South should have won. 
Oh, look, they should have. Uh, but I did think it was going to be a danger game without those those key guys. Um, but look, obviously, South need to look into probably their their depth. Although that takes nothing away from the Bulldogs, it's nice to see the combination uh, with Sexton and Burton seem to come off for the dogs there. Yeah, what a turnaround! Sixty-six nil one week, and then you come back and knock off South Sydney, albeit under strength. It was a, it's been a tough state of origin period for, for the Rabbitohs because they lost the Bulldogs. They also lost to the Dragons during during that. So two of the bottom three that. With outside of origin, you would expect that they'd win and win quite comfortably. Yeah. Let's go to our next guest. And we welcome her back to the show from the Danica Clark Foundation, Rebecca Rodwell. Good morning. Hey, steve How are you? Yeah, we're well. Uh, great to have you back on the show. And uh, we're here to talk about the Danica Clark Foundation, in particular, the gala dinner that's coming up next month. Yeah, super excited to um, have another gala dinner. I mean... The foundation now in its 16th year is doing some incredible things. Um, without this gala dinner, we really can't offer scholarships to our local Central Coast athletes. Gary Birkinshaw's got a couple of key questions for you. And uh, fire away, Gaz. Gary Becker, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Gary. Good. The, the Danica Clark Foundation, what a fantastic... Um, oh, I suppose... what. what yeah. Organisation. Organisation is that. Thank you very much. Two hundred and twenty-three scholarship holders, twenty-three last year. I'm just thinking about this today as I was coming in. I said, so Rebecca, who would you think out of all those two hundred and twenty-three scholarship holders, who has been the most successful on a world stage? Oh, um, that's a really good question. I guess for me. Um, there's so many athletes that have gone on to achieve things they probably didn't think they could. Um, and I'm a bit of a, a Nicola Osleigh fan, um, I'll be honest. I um, love her story and after having lots of chats with her over years, I think it's fantastic what she's gone on to achieve. So um, I, know, I know some people will probably debate that with me because we've got so many successful athletes across a number of sports. But yeah, probably Nicola in my eyes. She's the one athlete, actually, that said the Danica Clark Foundation was the first group that actually acknowledged her performances. Yes, she was. And I think um, I remember I was probably at one of those dinners with you, Steve, when she was talking about that. But, you know, hearing how hard it was for her to um, get into the Diamond League is something that, you know, I was probably naive about and had no idea. And just her journey and her self-belief that she constantly works on um, to give herself strength just to get ready for the next event. I'm really looking forward to seeing what she can do in one more sleep, actually, in Poland. Hey, can I share some insight? Because on MBN TV last night, I described Rebecca Rodwell as a walking encyclopedia. Uh, yeah, and Beck... I over that too. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pleasure. Beck is the board member that at 2 a.m. in the morning, you'll hear a ping on your phone while you're fast asleep, and it's, it's Beck watching some monitor. She's like you. She's watching something from from Switzerland that Nicola's, uh, you know, cleared 2.02 and Beck's letting the whole board know at 2 a.m. Yeah, that is brilliant, Beck. So Nicola, uh, scholarship holder number 38. So we've gone from from that, that end of the scale. So this year is going to be another group of scholarship holders, another, another lot of lucky people. So what's, by being a scholarship holder... What does that actually mean to the, to the people, Beck? What, what, what support do you actually give those, uh, those athletes? Well, obviously, the first up, I mean, if you're going for a scholarship, it's a, it's a monetary support, which can help with things like um, 
accommodation or for some people it might just be shoes and um, that, that goes a long way to helping them sort of get to a, um, a, a meet or an event, I guess. But a lot of them talk about the family within the Danica Clark Foundation. Um, and I know even speaking to scholarship holders like Ray Anderson um, and even Fletcher Armstrong, I spoke to him recently too, they, they talk about they can get support from other athletes as well, but they can also... Um, here's a recent example. Um, somebody contacted the foundation um, and just wanted to know, you know, just who can we go to to have a look at our sporting contracts? Um, and, you know, I need nutrition advice. So they come to us as a board and we're able to steer them in the right direction. You know, there's lots of people that have experience over a range of sports that can help steer them to be the best they can be. You know, we still look back to the Saifidi brothers. So there's, as well as a scholarship, there's a Frangipani grant. And I still remember vividly myself and Michael Butner and MBN Television we caught up with Jacob and Daniel at St. Eddie's and Nathan Clark was mm. there as well. And they were off to a rugby league tournament. I think it might have been in Darwin. And so the family just could not afford to send the twins there. And so they approached the foundation for a grant and they were the very first, uh, well, they were the very first uh, athletes accepted. And so they were able to go to the rugby league competition. Uh, if that wasn't there, you'll wonder if the boys would have been able to pursue... I mean, they would have reached the top, no doubt about it, but it would have been a lot more difficult. Oh, definitely. And I think things like that, it, it does make a big difference. And I know I've spoken about before, as parents, it gets really tricky sometimes. And you, you want you, you tell your kids to strive to be the best they can be, but sometimes you just need that little bit of extra strength, that little bit of help. Yeah, you mentioned strength in the TV interview numerous times yesterday. Can you, <laughs> can you elaborate for us? Oh, it's something, um, you know, as a board we've spoken about and I guess trying to have a key word or a catchphrase that um, sums up all the work of our athletes and the work of the board and, and what Nika was herself. So, you know, having the strength, the mental strength to keep going in a, in a competition when you, you know, might not have performed so well, um, but, you know, to be able to rely on people and get the strength um, I guess, and in advice, um, all those sorts of things. It's really valuable to have that. Yeah, sure is. And uh, this class of 2023, like, I really love some of the young athletes. And quite a few of them are young ladies. Uh, Alana Pitcher, who's off to the World Track and Field Championships. She's a race walker. Uh, Lilia Tataranoff, she's on the Junior Australian Cycling Team and a real star of the future. Then you've got a real character, Beck, who you'd know fairly well, Young Talia Teb, who hopefully one day we see on the World Surfing Tour. I know. It was great to see her do so well in the junior event um, earlier this year. And um, she's very, you know, I guess a raw young talent, but um, says it how it is. And I really like that about her. Yeah, same here. Hey, uh, we're getting the wind up from our producer. Uh, we're way behind no, no time. <laughs> we're way behind time in this first hour. Can you give us all the facts and figures about the gala night that's coming up? I can. So if you can, you can jump onto um, the Nick Clark Foundation website and get all the details there to, to purchase a ticket. But it is $125 a ticket. Um, round up a table of 10, you get a three-course meal. And Wooshka, the band's playing and the dancing's probably the highlight of the evening. Yeah, it sure is. Hey, uh, thanks so much for your time. Uh, thank you for yesterday with NBN Television as well and catch up soon. Thank you for having me. And yeah, keep supporting these Central Coast athletes, everybody out there. It's worthwhile. Yeah, the walking encyclopedia herself, 
Rebecca Rodwell. Great to have her on the show. Off to a break here. This is Saturdays on the Coast, live from EdSac on SEN. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at EdSac. Uh, we've just had the full-time siren here, so I think King Cumbers defeated the entrance in ladies' league tag or girls' league tag. Burko, did you catch any of the Suncorp Super Netball grand final? How good was that? That was a fantastic culmination. I reckon the whole final series was so good. It was really good. And congratulations to the Thunderbirds, their first title, um, second title. Yeah, so it's uh, been 10 years between oh. drinks. Uh, but you might be right. It might be in this new era yeah. of the Suncorp Super Netball. But, wow, you know, they went through some really dark times. And what a game. I think the Swifts, they probably rue a couple of turnovers late in the match. And they came from, I think, about eight, eight goals down. Yep. So it finishes 60-59. Swift re-signed their coach during the week. Briny Akel. Yeah, very yeah, good. Till 2026. Yeah, yeah she's, been, she's been fantastic for them. Yeah, and... I agree with you. I think the whole final series, the win by the Swifts over the West Coast Fever, magnificent. They only hit the front in the final minute. You don't like to be political, but the whole situation now, the contracting situation, we've already lost one of the, the good players that's gone back to England over the, the uncertainty around the contracting and things like that. It's, it's disappointing because the on-field action, I reckon, is as good as it's ever been. Yeah, and it's not the only sport. Correct. Correct. One of the sports we love uh, needs to get back to the table ASAP and sort things out. Do you agree? Oh, I couldn't agree, couldn't agree more. I've, I've gone through that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm well away, well far from it, but I just can't understand where we're actually at. Hey, I, I want to talk to you too about Stuart Dew, oh, yeah. who got axed mm-hmm. from the Gold Coast Suns through the week. And yeah. at the same time, the head of the AFL has called Queensland an AFL state. We'll just discuss that. This is uh, Saturdays on the Coast. Off to the news. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast with Steve Allen and Michael Butner on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. We love the weekend and another beautiful start. The weather at the moment just sensational. We're live from Ed Sack and right now there's a girls tackle game. And Wyong have just scored the opening try at the southern end of the arena against the Entrance Tigers. There's a VIP right in front of us. Scotty Canor from North Entrance Surf Life Saving Club. Great to have him in the house. Actually, I felt warm and fuzzy as soon as I arrived here because Tracy Stimson is at the snow cone van. Her son Luke Stimson just represented Australia at junior level at the World Water Polo Championships. And so she's just returned from Europe. Everywhere you look, there's, I mean, there's some entrance Tigers greats that are walking around here today and just a great atmosphere, isn't there? Oh, yeah. I mentioned earlier, grassroots sport is, is fantastic and grassroots venue and uh, yeah, people just come to, uh, people never forget where they, they come from, never forget their roots. They always come back here and when you talk about rugby league on the central coast and say, oh, well, yeah, who are the good clubs? The entrance is always mentioned. No matter what their on-field performances are, They've just got that reputation of doing things very well. And you look around here today and, and they're doing exceptional. If you ask Tony Clark, so Wyong, the Tigers, Woi Woi back in the day, you know, three of the most powerful clubs. Uh, throw Erinner in there as well, who played at a high level for quite a while as well. And Tookley reigning premiers yeah. in the local competition. 
and really looking forward to another final series and seeing if they can go back-to-back in 2023. Hey, Guru, just looking at the rankings for the FIFA Women's World Cup and USA number one, but we've got teams two and four based here on the Central Coast. So Germany will have a training session tomorrow at Tugra. I think there's a invite-only session with England, who are ranked number four in the world, coming up on Tuesday afternoon. And I really... I've been asked to host that, and I can't wait to see the travelling media. I dare say there'll be 20 or 30 cameras there. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, we've got... The Women's World Cup is so huge. It's going to be a great extravaganza, the month or so of football that we're going to have here. And to have two based on the coast, it's just, it brings international attention to the Central Coast. It's, unfortunately, the stadium's not going to host any games, which is, which is disappointing, but that, that's the way it is. But to have them here and being able to go and witness them and there'd be open training sessions is just fantastic for the coast. Wednesday night when State of Origin finished, a core stadium, the minute the game finished, became a FIFA venue. Is that right? And so the word was they were going to be there all night, starting preparations for this week's game, and it's expected to be 83,000 sellout at a core stadium. They had the final practice game last night at Marvel Stadium, had over 50,000 people, the biggest crowd in Australia for a, for a, a women's football match, which was just unbelievable. And uh, like I said, they had a good win, 1-0, keeping uh, against the fifth-ranked French side, which was fantastic leading to the World Cup, which starts next Thursday for yeah. our um, for our Matildas. Yeah, and one of my favourite players scored. So we've got the audio. This is Mary Fowler, and it's courtesy of Paramount. And here come the Matildas. It's been a little while since we've been up this end with real intent. Rasso, the cut back for Fowler, beautifully done. And Mary Fowler. Off the bench in the second half and onto the score sheet. Coolly taken. The run down the right from Rasso, a touch and drilling the ball into the back of the net. And Mary Fowler staking her claim. Australia won. France nil. Yeah, that audio, thanks to Paramount, and it was a cracking finish by Mary Fowler. What a talent she is. Hey, we're about to go to Lightning Luke King, but one of our regular segments, we normally do it right at the start of the show. It's called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Let's roll in that audio because, Guru, this is your segment this week. <laughs> You know I love old westerns. Yeah, the iconic theme from the Clint Eastwood western, the good, the bad and the ugly. And Guru, take it away. Rightio, thanks very much to you. So we're going to start locally with the good Singleton Australian Football Club. Obviously, Everyone knows about the tragic tragic bus crash up at, in the Hunter Valley. Today, they rake the return to the football field at senior level. So they, the men's side are playing in the in the Shield competition and the women are playing in the, in the Black Diamond Cup. So congratulations to Singleton Football Club. It's been a very hard time. A mate of mine actually went to nine funerals. So the final funeral was held last Monday. So they're, they're moving on and get back on the football field, the big step. So congratulations to them and wish them all the best today. Yeah, we had Corey Shackleton, the coach of Kalani Vale, Premiership winning coach, on the show a few weeks ago. And I said, I feel like the Hutter Central Coast AFL could almost run a day where every club goes there. Yeah. And just help them get back on their feet. Yeah, the thing of speaking to them, though, like that, they are such a resilient group up there, and I have had a lot to do with them and, and knew 
personally love a couple of them passed away there, but they just want to get back to normality. That's what they want to do. And, that, and that, today's will be a tough day for them, but it, but it is a, a, the next step forward. Oh, you'll be surprised at the number of people who actually put their hand up to play today and play for the rest of the year. They'll be stronger than probably what they were, if, if yeah. that's possible. But it'll just really bring the club together, and, and they've done a fantastic job, really, yeah. in, in tragic circumstances. Grassroots sport at its best. Exactly right. The bad. Now, Steve... <laughs> You're sort of involved in this, so why... I'm involved in the bad. No, no not the bad. No, why... Because you know, you're involved, because you might be able to answer for me. So why do the uh, NRL persist with presenting the State of Origin Shield at the end of a series? Now, <laughs> Queensland led 2-0. The Shield should have been presented in front of their home fans at Suncorp Stadium after Game 2. It was presented there on... Um, Wednesday night in front of virtually nobody. I was still there, but in front of virtually nobody and did not get the recognition as what it, it, it deserved. So I think we need to change that. We do it with the Gilton Shield. When Melbourne won that, they will take it. And Penrith will take it to their final home game and we'll present it there. Should do that with the State of Origin as well. Yeah. Now you're saying so... as. Like, it should have been done after game two. Correct. No, no doubt about yep. it. And 50,000 fans or yep. 52,000 fans stay and enjoy that moment. Correct. Yeah. Like, you could see the minute the game finished the other night, the stadium was virtually empty. And let's not forget, too, the host broadcaster, who I actually work for, I think there was probably, you know, 15 minutes of ads before they came to the presentation yeah. with James Bracey. Seemed to take forever. It did, did take forever. Which helped me because I drove down there, so it emptied the car park. But. Because they do, I think there's 10 post-match interviews. Yep. Then Channel 9 go to a break, hmm. and that break is probably about six or seven minutes. Yep. And then you're back. So we're talking maybe 15 to 20 minutes after the game finishes by the time you hand over the shield. Yeah, yeah. But you need, you know, if it's, if it's a live rubber, obviously Queensland win, you know, and... And then that gets presented in front. I understand oh, that. But I, when... I thought the atmosphere on Wednesday, from my vantage point, but I'm in a soundproof booth, I thought it seemed like it was a great atmosphere. Do you disagree? Yeah, I do disagree. It was a dead rubber atmosphere. Like, it was, it was a carnival atmosphere in the stands. Like, there wasn't that, you know, you were never yeah. on your edgy, edgy seats. Yeah. Queensland didn't play very well, which didn't help. But they, they didn't have that... And didn't, didn't have that, that live rubber field. And, and, you know, and then we copped a Mexican wave. No, what was before that, though? This is the biggest, the biggest oh, cheer that the was paper the paper planes. planes. And so we were up on level two, and the planes were coming from behind. Some were hitting people on the head, but the big cheer was when it was going out there to get onto the field. It was, so, so that probably took a bit away from the, from the game. But, yeah, yeah. So, so that's okay, what, that's, okay that's, the ugly. The ugly. You may not have seen this. India are playing a test match over in the West Indies. That series finished last night. India won early. Their actual attire looked like a uh, a training outfit that you would have wore back in the 1980s with a white Adidas blue stripes down the side of the shirt and side of the pants. It was just looked totally <laughs> ugly, like a, aerobics style. style. Exactly, that's exactly exactly what it was, and that's <laughs> that's where we've got to. I said that's got to stop. So, so you're a traditionalist. I am a test back. Test cricket is traditional. Now we've mm. gone away and we've allowed them to put a little bit of colouring on the side, but. Adidas three stripes, as famous as those three stripes are, and the amount of money that they pay, it's not for that. In, in one minute, can you give me good, the bad, and the ugly from the third test? From the third test, the good Mitchell Marsh, fantastic, fantastic innings. Uh, the bad was probably Dave Warner's continual out of form. Yeah, I've read a lot about that and the fact that 
He's actually getting rails run Warner compared to when Ponting was toward the end of his career. And they said some of the journalists were scathing of the great Ricky Ponting. They were. And he he will announce his retirement. He he will retire at the end of this Ashes series. There's no doubt. Not sure he'll play the next Ashes test. He may get another run because, you know, uh, because we're still in front. But I think if he fails the next test and the test series is still alive, I don't think he'll play the fifth test. Yeah. What about the ugly? Our continual short-pitch bowling... (laughs) To the tail end of, of England. It doesn't work. It does not work. Hasn't worked. Yet they might eventually get him out, but they put on so many runs, especially when Ben Stokes is still batting. I reckon it probably, probably cost him the test the other day. Yeah. yeah. We'll take a very quick break. Back with Burko's top three and Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week. All thanks to Slimes. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. Welcome back to Junior Footy. Uh, the Entrance Tigers, their home ground, Edsac. Talia Wales has just scored a superb try. And the entrance, they're still trailing, but beautiful try. Conversion attempt coming up just to the right of the uprights. Hey, by the way... Idiot male behaviour. I've got one for you. This is a new segment on our show. So I mentioned we've got a VIP in front of us, Scotty Knorr and his beautiful wife, Corinne, alongside him. He dives into the frosty waters at Tugra Tufts. I think the pool is about 13 degrees. He starts getting some trembles, like some. he's feeling numb. And then he's short of breath. And so he's, a, he's been a surf lifesaver, a champion surf lifesaver his entire life. He knows there's a few issues. Instead of going talking to the lifeguards that are on call that day at Tugra Tufts, gets behind the wheel, drives home. He tells me it's because he doesn't want mouth-to-mouth from the old guys down at the Tufts. If that's not idiot Aussie male behaviour, that'll do me. Scotty Canor, he's going in the sim bin. On this show. <laughs> and he, he actually named names. There's a couple of guys in particular that he didn't want mouth-to-mouth from who can't be named on this show. <laughs> anyway, he went home and Corinne gave him mouth-to-mouth. So the story's got a great ending. It does. It does. Beautiful. Hey, yeah. here to tell the story. Beautiful. <laughs> hey, uh, that is a new segment on our show, Idiot Aussie Male Behaviour. We see it everywhere. Give me your thoughts on Stewie Dew. Now, I saw something on Twitter through the week where the journalist who's been having a crack at Stuart Dew for a couple of years, it was almost like there was gloating that finally lost the gig. Yeah, there's been some um, some horrible dialogue around it. And remember one journalist, so Jared Waitley, uh, one of our SEN presenters, he, he put it really, summed up really well, is that coaches have been getting sacked in every sport for forever. Yet we still do not do it well. You know, there, it always ends up being messy. Where it gets messy because it's out in the public. Uh, the journalists are all over it. The club backs them. And this is the big Stuart Jews thing was, they actually come out and publicly backed him a week ago, yet knowing full well at that time that he was going to, he was going to be sacked a week later. So it's just the dialogue that comes out. He, Caroline Wilson was the journalist who came out and really was... Um, was she, she was correct in the end. She was correct in saying that... He was going to be sacked by the end of the month, so she was probably a little bit... It happened earlier. But and then Stuart Duke comes out and, and has, a, has a crack at, at Caroline about spreading this stuff out, then saying that, how it's my job, the club's backed me, knowing full well 
that without him knowing that he was he was going to be sacked a week later. So it's it's just so so poor. Now whether he should have been sacked or not is probably it. it's another issue. He's had six years there. They're not meeting the, the criteria. So every club's got the right to get rid of their coach if they don't believe that person is going to take them to the level that they need to. Well, be. they've never played final series in, in thirteen years. There's been others who haven't been successful for a long period of time either. But the trouble is when you've got a coach, a three-time premiership coach, sitting in the background, openly come out two weeks ago and say, yeah, gee, I think I'm ready to coach again. It certainly makes clubs get a little bit little bit itchy about, gee, we'd love him at our club, but we've got to get rid of this bloke before we can bring the next bloke in. You know Gil's statement that Queensland's an AFL state. Now, you're laughing at that, but because I played AFL on the Gold Coast at mm. Palm Beach, Corumban, and also Coolangatta... You know, there's been so many expatriate Victorians head north. And that southeast Queensland corridor, yep. it's one of the fastest growth areas in the country. Yep. And a lot of people moving there are Victorians. And so it's always had a great AFL competition. I think, and they need a good football team on the Gold Coast. Yep. Like, even if we go back to the original Brisbane Bears that played out of Carrara. Yeah. You know, so that they've underperformed. But it doesn't matter what they do. I mean, they had, uh, you know, the son of a gun, Gary Ablett Jr., go there, yeah. and they still couldn't get the job done. Would have made finals that year except for one tackle by McCaffrey from Collingwood. They were 8-2 that year, didn't make it. But you mentioned about a lot of ex-transit Victorians who go there, but they, they're already supporting a club. You're a Victorian. You're rusted onto your club. Yes, so the, the Gold Coast becomes your second team. You've got an interest in them. But that doesn't mean you're going to go and watch them and support them. You yeah, might go and watch them when they're playing your team, and you'll go and support your team. Sellout last week against uh, Collingwood. 20-odd thousand people there. 17,000 were Collingwood. And now the Gold Coast are gloating. Yep, great, we sold the stadium out. You sold it out because of Collingwood. So It's like GWS. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, um, La- and then, Last weekend on the show, I said Giants had a chance to go inside the eight. They did momentarily. Now they're a couple of points outside the eight because the Cats are sitting in eighth place. Tough run for the Giants if they can get the job done down in Adelaide. That'd be monumental. Playing some good footy, the Giants. They are. Big, big setback on Thursday night. Tom Green, one of their, probably their most influential midfielder, did a, did a, went down with a hamstring injury. He's going to miss the next three. So that's certainly going to make it a little bit tough. Brent Daniels is back, so that, that's good. Adds him a good running forward. Really impressed with how the Giants are going, and the leadership of Toby Green has just been phenomenal. Adam Kingsley... Uh, former Richmond assistant coach has done a great job in the first season. So they've exceeded expectation. Certainly a chance to play finals. There's no doubt about it. Big test. I don't think there's a bigger test. Well, there probably is a bigger test in footy at the moment. But Adelaide at Adelaide Oval this year have been have been very, very hard to beat. And, um, and I think... I, I can't see the Giants beating them today. I think Adelaide at home. I think the game of the round has got to be tonight. And it's uh, the Cats up against the Bombers. Yeah, gee, the Bombers are going well, aren't they? They are flying at the moment and, and playing really, really good football. But probably probably to, to make the trip down to Geelong, who are starting to, to trickle. And, you know, if Geelong win today, they move up into fifth position. You know, three weeks ago, they, they were in tenth position, weren't going to make the finals. And now they'll be sitting in fifth position. So, so very strong. <laughs> and we just got a text message. Lightning Luke King is in touch with SEN IT support. So the issue is being fixed as we speak. Hopefully we get him back on and uh, Julie Dolan, the first lady of football. Hey, so while we're in a holding pattern waiting for Luke King or Julie Dolan to come on, let's do this before the news. Let's do Guru's top three. So this is normally Butes' segment. You've taken full control of this today. Let's roll in the intro. 
Pukes Top 3. Right, thanks very much, Steve. So number one goes back to well, you. Number one or number no, three? No, number three, sorry, number three. I'll, I'll do three, two, one. Now, you know, Gee, you've, you've gone rogue. No, the best and fairest can, yeah, three, two, one. So, so my one vote goes back to UFC <laughs> 290, Alex Volkanovsky. What yeah. a pocket dynamo he is. He, it's just unbelievable. He totally dominated that fight. My son, Scott, is a UFC fanatic, so he I get all the updates on it, but he was phenomenal. So Yeah, you know, I was hearing uh, yesterday, I was... I heard Matty Johns talking about it and saying how when it first started, there were a lot of thugs involved and you know, it was pretty ugly to watch, whereas now there's a bit of science behind it. Like You've got some of the best fighters and athletes on the planet that are involved in this and that it's gone kind of full circle in the way that it's respected. Oh, Without a doubt. It is a phenomenon now. The UFC as, a, as an event is a phenomenon. Everyone, it just... The, the pay-per-view that it gets, the people it gets in to watch it, and the talent now, because you get so many different different uh, martial arts involved. At, you know, you could be a boxer, you could be a wrestler, you could be a mixture of everything. And, and when I was driving in this morning, I heard Saturdays in the gong, and I'm not sure if Matty Russell is correct with this, but he said they want Volkanovski to get the keys to the city in Wollongong. But the mayor down there, now I'm not sure how accurate this is. This is just what Matty Russell said this morning. The mayor is reluctant because it's a blood sport. And I feel this is a guy that's put Wollongong on the map. Yeah. He's, he's a legend in his sport. Yes. So much so that the UFC, as we mentioned how big it was, they've actually got it. He can dictate when his next fight is, who it's against, and at what weight level. So they're virtually saying, come on, and say, mate, you, you choose. You've earned the right to choose. Normally, you know, it's normally mandatory. You've got to fight this person. He said, you choose. Has he maybe got one more fight left? I think he's got a few more. I think I think he'll keep going. He wants to talking about going up a division um, to, to fight. I think he's going to go up to a lightweight to do that. So that'll be a big test for him. Sounds like Lockie. I'm, I'm watching Lockie here. Is this the sport you love? No, he's shaking his head. Lockie, our technician. Yeah. All right, what's number two? Cam Smith won in uh, at Centurion last week. Won the Live Golf event. So just another cool $4 million into, into the back pocket. Really good in the lead-up to the British Open, which starts um, starts next week. And ironically, though, the, the thing about it, he wins the event, misses a putt on the last hole, which means cost his team, which is lives also a team <laughs> event, the, the winning the team's <laughs> event. So you win the win one, but your team misses out. So. Uh, what about Rory McIlroy? What about some of the comments he's made this week? Well, it's it's it's. it's Rory, I feel sorry for in Rory the fact that it just something that's handed him at the press conference all the time because he been was the spokesperson for the PGA Tour, probably still is. But um, I've just seen a couple of cracking tries right down the far end of the field here, and uh, gee, we're seeing some great grassroots rugby league. Now, what's your number one? We spoke about it earlier, but this is number three for you technically. Yeah, it's three votes. Three votes. Three votes. Yeah. Sad days on the coast. Three votes. Adelaide Thunderbirds. Netball. Say no more. Say no more. First grand final in 10 years, defeating the Swiss by one goal in a just a thrilling grand final last week. What about the, I won't take the one point to draw the game. I'm going to take a super shot to win the game. Yeah. Live and die, live and live die, die by the super love shot. It. You've got to love it. Hey, uh, we're off to the news. I feel like uh, idiot Aussie male behaviour. We <laughs> should just follow Scotty Kanoa around all weekend. I reckon we'll get some more material. He could be a regular feature on this show. We could, we could name it after him. Yeah. Uh, when he gets together with a guy called Heath Lang, who knows what could happen. Off to the news. We're back in a moment with football royalty. Julie Dolan is next on Saturdays on the Coast. 
Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at EDSAC and in the last half hour of the show. And we'll just throw back to Adam momentarily. So hoping to get Julie Dolan in a few moments. Is that correct, Adam? Yeah, we're doing our best here, guys. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> Hardest working man in showbiz, Adam Staples. Hey, before I forget, it would be remiss of me, Sharon Allen, celebrating a birthday tomorrow. So uh, lots of love from the entire family, of course. We're going to have a fantastic day. So what is the day, Steve, when, with your lovely wife? What, so what does Steve Allen, as the romantic husband, do for his, for his, on his wife's birthday? Yeah, well, I think all roads will lead to Terrigal. So there'll be a walk with the entire family. My daughter has this beautiful golden retriever, Henry. So it'll be a long walk, probably followed by a, a swim. And then I think maybe belly fish for breakfast. Mm, nice. And then we've got a favourite pizza shop, Lagoon at Wamberal. Oh, uh, so we'll head there at night and just... You know, very good. Celebrate long and hard. Very good. Well, happy birthday, Shaz. Fantastic. Great, great. Job. Hope you have a great day and you get spoiled. Well, she's a superstar. She is a superstar. Hey, the NRL. So last night we mentioned that uh, the Newcastle Knights were winners against the West Tigers. You just said about Tim Sheens. Yeah. So Tim Sheens came out in the press conference afterwards and was was quite critical of a uh, of a, a try that was disallowed for a uh, for a knock on in the lead up to it. He's um, his comments were something along the lines of, I hope we don't get another another phone call apologising for an error. So, well, I think, not happy. I think we've got the audio. I'll confirm this with Adam from both coaches. So, Newcastle coach, after last night's win. Okay, let's roll that in, what both coaches had to say. We'll start with the Newcastle Knights. Pleased with the win. Um, it was sort of it's a hard one to gauge. I'm going to uh, have another look at the tape tonight. I'm, look, I'm certainly proud. I thought our first uh, we spoke a lot about our start because I wasn't completely happy with it um, when we played the Bulldogs with the footy. I thought our completions and I think we went ten from ten tonight. So that was really important. We we spoke about the, uh, that a lot this week. But yeah, I just thought we got dragged into some scrappy type footy in the second half. Um, uh, yeah, so it was, it's just a hard one to put a finger on. I think the, you know, there's three tries. There's two of them off a couple of scrappy tries there. There's one that I'm real disappointed, and I'm probably disappointed that we didn't defend our ill-discipline. They uh, two of the tries come off a, a penalty that I reckon we we should have defended those on. So, um, but look, all in all, we probably look like a team that come off a bye week. I reckon. Adam O'Brien there. Uh, so Knights moved to 21 competition points, and you know they're one point out of the eight. Can you believe that? I certainly can. And Kalen Ponga's performance over the last month of football has just been brilliant. He was so good with the ball last night. Looked dangerous in every situation. And I think for a, every club relies on, a, on on a good player to actually to to get him over the line. But I think Newcastle Knights' season when Kalen Ponga had the problems, they were. They weren't winning anything. Adam O'Brien's job was on the line. He comes back playing sensational football. They're now winning games. Adam O'Brien's talking that. And we're talking finals now with the Knights. They, they looked a million dollars last night. Admittedly, it was only West Tigers, but they did look a million dollars. Yeah, let's have a listen to Tim Sheens last night in the press conference. Yeah, we'll try this aloud. Yeah, looked like a try to me. But anyway, and then we were 18-0 in the next 10 or 15 minutes. So we, we fought back, but we chased our tail the whole game. 
but um, I'll be interested to see if that it looked like a try to me and uh, if I get another apology from the referees I won't be happy uh, I tell you a monumental game which is coming up this weekend and it's the Manly Sea Eagles up against the high flying Cowboys yeah gee they've They've come, come on uh, leaps and bounds, haven't they? The Cowboys are being written off as well. They were sitting down near the tail of the comp- table, end of the competition, sorry. But they've hit really good form as well lately. And, uh, you know, that, they're probably up there nearly being a premiership threat. That's how good they're going, if they can finish high enough up the table. But big game against Manly. Gary, looking at the Telegraph this morning before I came to the show, I think there's been a call from the West Tigers to Justin Holbrook. Have you heard about that? I have. I have heard about that, and because uh, it's going to give me a, something else I was going to mention a, a bit later on as well. But the funny thing is, I think at the moment, Justin Holbrook is being used as a pawn for Big Tino and David Fafita, who've got a clause in their contract to say that they could leave the Gold Coast if Justin Holbrook's not coached. So they obviously have got the link there, and clubs are going, well, gee, if we can get Justin Holbrook, our chance of, of increasing those, those two big-name players to come to our club will increase. Well, that's one of the headlines in the Telegraph this weekend, uh, as well as Payne Haas looking to upgrade his deal, and he thoroughly deserves that, uh, is Tino on the market. Yeah, yeah. well, I don't know. But one thing, I'll go back to that. So in your you know, auspicious football career up there in Queensland, were you <laughs> ever offered in a contract negotiation a share in a pub? <laughs> and the Bulldogs have denied that. They have, yes, they have. Of course, they, they have. have. Yeah. yeah, Arthur Laundie has it though. The Bulldogs have, but Arthur has it. He yeah. said, he said it's, a, it's a, Arthur came out and said it was a major sponsor of the Bulldogs and a very, very good man. I think every negotiation I do from here on in, I'll be trying to see if I can write that clause in. He said, Arthur, and I'll take him for his word, it had nothing to do with football. It was just a good investment opportunity for Tina. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Rooster Storm? Um, you love I, the Roosters. I, no, you know, no, I don't. I love St George. Roosters are all right. I've actually took Roosters in my tipping to win the comp, so I want them to do very good very quickly. <laughs> Will they beat the Storm? No, not without Teddy. They've got The Roosters have still got huge problems in their halves. I reckon Sam Walker's knee injury really derailed them because I think that they wanted Walker to go back, have a couple of games back in New South Wales Cup, and then he was going to come back and be their, their halfback as a lead into the, to the finals. Him being out, I think, just sort of has really disrupted their, their halves. They've, they've tried a few different combinations, and I think... And let, if they can't sort that problem out, they won't be going anywhere. i tell you, cracker of a game tomorrow at two, Warriors v Sharks. But right now, let's uh, have a standing ovation, not just for the try that's scored by the entrance Tigers at the southern end of the arena, but for the first lady of football in Australia, Julie Dolan. Good morning. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Oh, good morning. How are you? Oh, we're well. Uh, how about last night? The final hit out for the Matildas, a one nil win against France and a beautiful finish from Mary Fowler. Yeah, and, and look, there's so much in the game that comes from that. Um, you know, that's not just a training run. France are one of the top five teams in the world. So uh, even though it was a friendly match, uh, things weren't uh, being, you know, France are no lightweight. So um, I thought we did pretty well. Um, and the general consensus was, uh, speaking to various people around, you know, Matildas outdid them in the first half, but probably didn't capitalise on opportunities or half opportunities. Uh, France outdid us in the second half. That's according to public opinion, uh, which is easy coming from up in the stands, isn't it? So, uh, 
But, yeah, good to get away with that 1-0 win. I tell you, Gary, stats are a funny thing. So France, 15 shots to four. Australia, more shots on target. Possession, France has dominated there, 63 to 37%. Yeah, I think that the, the real impressive thing, and the, the coach be extremely happy with the fact that we kept France goalless, so he kept a clean sheet and said the shots on, on goal and that there. And, and especially in the second half, France were attacking pretty strongly, but to be able to hold them out and keep a clean sheet certainly augurs well as we, we move into the World Cup, which starts on Thursday. Now, Julie, who were some of the players that impressed you last night? Uh, like, I, I love the goal from Mary Fowler, but who else impressed you in the Matildas lineup? Oh, there's a lot that always impressed me. I think uh, Katrina Gorries, you know, she's uh, essential if we're thinking about, you know, reaching the finals uh, in the World Cup. Um, and there's, there's, you know, Mackenzie Arnold goes well as a keeper. Mary Fallett was really good to see her back in form. Uh, she's uh, sort of been building up to getting back to some sort of form over the last few months. And um, I thought... You know, the defence also had a good game. So, um, yeah, pretty pleased all over the park. Was it the run from Rasso that set up Mary Fowler on the right side? Yeah, and Rasso's uh, finding a bit of form too. I think she's been buoyed by the, the signing with Real Madrid. Uh, that was a big one for her. And, uh, you know, that probably pumped her up a bit. And that's good because, uh, you know, even though we've got runs on the board against some of these world-class teams, the World Cup's a whole different ball game. Um, yeah. So we need we need everybody firing. Hey, Julie, earlier in the show, uh, Gary and I were discussing, like, how monumental it is that we've got the number two and number four teams in the world based here on the Central Coast. So Germany, they'll have a training run tomorrow at Tugra. Tuesday, I think it's an invite-only session, but England, the number four side in the world, how incredible is it that both of those teams are training here on the coast? I know. When I first heard that, I, I was so excited and I ran around talking to everyone, trying to get a friendly game against them. Yeah, or, you know, between the two teams, wouldn't that be good? Um, a friendly game between England and Germany on the coast, that'd be a sellout. But uh, I think, you know, they're, they're not wanting... Well, they're trying to play their cards close to their chest, so I don't think that's going to happen. But the opportunity to see both of these teams is is huge and I would say to anyone who's contemplating that um, get along there because there's some talent, there's some real talent. I saw England play against the Matildas in the UK earlier this year and geez they're a good team and Germany's um, you know they're no lightweights either Julie obviously the Women's World Cup is, is, the, is the biggest uh, football event we've actually had in Australia. From a Central Coast perspective what do you think that it will do for the local game? It's going to have an unbelievable impact on, uh, you know, women's sport, women's football uh, across the nation. So um, it's going to grow participation rates, it's the love for the game, and just in general, you know, boost the, the profile of women's sport. And, you know, we, we've also got the uh, Central Coast Mariners women's team entering the A-League women's this year. So um, all eyes focused on women's football right now and we've you know we're going to get a lot of uh we're going to get a lot out of the back of this world cup so uh really looking forward to seeing you know the the game grow 
Speaking of the Central Coast Mariners, way back in 2008, Kaya Simon made a debut for the Mariners and 111 caps for the Matildas. What role do we think that Kaya might play? Look, Kaya um, was, you know, always a contender to be selected and now that she is, I think she'll come on as a, a high-impact player. And she has the capacity to, to just duck in behind anywhere and, and put a couple of goals away. So I think we'll see her in that capacity more so than a regular 90-minute uh, player. Hey, Julie, we could talk, uh, keep analysing the teams and the players, but tell us about your role in the FIFA Women's World Cup. Um, my role is as an ambassador. And, you know, that's, that's quite a... a, a it's a great role in, in terms of, you know, enabling me to continue to promote the women's, the women's game. And also, you know, I get to spread the word about what participation in football can bring uh, at any and all levels. So that could be, you know, as a coach, if you're not going to make it as a player, you know, there's so many different pathways these days in women's football, um, coaches, uh, and also in admin, like sports journalism, um, there's so many different pathways. So uh, the future in terms of pathways in women's football is looking really, really bright. Julie, final question. What's a great yeah. result for the Matildas? Uh, if we're ranked number 10 in the world, is it a quarterfinal appearance? Do you think we can push all the way to the semis? And then, you know, it's a dream come true if we can reach the final two. <laughs> um, if, you're, if you're a betting man... Uh, I was looking at the uh, betting odds this morning, and Matilda's a 13 to 1. Um, so, you know, and France is actually ahead of us, interestingly enough. So, and that sort of goes to show as well that anything can happen in football. So we beat France last night, but they're still ahead of us in the in the odds. Um, but look, there's going to be the top five teams featuring uh, towards the quarterfinals, the semi-finals. And, and definitely in the, in the finals, I would think. But, you know, like I said before, anything can happen in football. And I've seen it happen with the Matildas. You know, they nailed England. And we've beaten the USA. We beat France last night. So, fingers crossed. And, uh, I, you know, my message to them is dare to dream. Yeah, yeah, love it. Oh, what a way to finish the interview. And uh, let's not forget, we've got Sam Kerr. Hey, I think the highlight of the show, though, Julie Dolan talking about the odds. She's already checked the odds to see that we're, we're a very good value at 13 to 1. Julie, a standing ovation from us here and everyone at EDSAC this morning. So great to have you on the show. Might try to catch you early next week, depending on your schedule, for a bit of MBN airtime. And uh, have a great weekend. Thank you. Yeah, happy to, to chat anytime you, you want to do that. Absolute legend, Julie Dolan. We need to go to a break. Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week, thanks to Slime's Board Store, is coming up next. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. Welcome back. And a great job by the Entrance Tigers here in this game. They were down by a couple of tries to nil. And they've fought their way back to lead this match. And uh, very entertaining. This is the under-13s where the entrance Tigers are on top of the table. 
Yeah, it's been a great game. And this is this is my actual first game of seeing um, under eight uh, female tackle rugby league. It's been very, very impressive. There's a fair size difference amongst the, the girls, but, gee, they're so tenacious. And some of the skill level, uh, not only with the ball, you expect with the ball, but some of the tackling have, has been uh, very good. Hey, by the way, Slime's Board Store. They proudly sponsor Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week. We're about to do it in just a few moments. This is my new board that they're featuring here. It's the... It's the G-Skate from the Channel Islands, designed by the Gadowskis brothers, but you know what they've done? Slimes have brought in a male model. That should have been me. You know, that, were you unavailable? Oh, well, I, my people will have to check with Darren's people and also Sean Hilton. Uh, but uh, absolutely love the G-Skate. And uh, over 700 boards in stock, including... DHD boards, you name it, they've got it. Even if you're just learning to surf, there's plenty of soft boards that you can go. You can trial some boards as well, but they've got all the surf hardware as well, and they've been the best in the business since the mid-1980s. So with that as a segue... Just one thing, Steve, before you do that, where do we find them? Oh, Erina, of course. The location they've always been. Beautiful. Central Coast Highway. Let's uh, roll in the intro for the final segment of the day. Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week. Yeah, well, last week I had joint winners. So I named Jacob Saifidi and Bradman Best. So proud of them for coming in to the New South Wales team. And also a shout-out to Scotty Drinkwater. But this week, I know Bradman scored two tries on Origin Night. Look, we're at Ed Sack. I cannot go past Ethan Strange. The young man that played here, we heard earlier, when Dan McEwen and also Kyle Whiteford were on the show, they mentioned that last year he had a blinder against Maitland, who went on to win the Premiership in the Denton Cup. Ethan Strange, three tries for New South Wales under-19s on Thursday night. He had a couple of try assists as well. And I mentioned at the start of the show some soccer skills that would have made Lionel Messi proud. So Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week, proudly brought to you by Slimes, goes to an entrance Tigers junior, Ethan Strange. Thanks to Lockie, our technician. Thanks to Adam Staples, our producer extraordinaire. Thanks, Guru. No worries, mate. Fantastic morning. Really enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. Saturdays on the coast, on your home of sport, SEN.